The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is a show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage in all small businesses, and it's heard right around the world. Thanks for making us the number one business show in the world on radio for entrepreneurs. We're very proud of that. The feedback from last week's show was terrific, to say the least. We had a lot of emails inquiring about the research from the um, MarchX Institute on the difference between the way men and women act on the phone now, you might recall that um, MarchX are able to determine not only when different sexes and demographics use their phone, but what they buy and when they buy. And this enables a very highly targeted marketing to be uh, created for mobile phone users. A lot of people raved about how effective neurolinguistic programming is in helping them communicate with and sell to people and others. Some people thought it just sounded like unscientific crap. I can assure you that it's not and that it really is extremely effective. I urge you, if you are a doubting Thomas, to go online or to your nearest bookstore and get a book on NLP. Now, if it, if you read it and it doesn't improve the way you do business or even communicate with your family at home, I will personally refund the money that you paid for the book. So if you think NLP is a bunch of crap, go out, buy a book, have a read of it, and if it doesn't improve the way you do business and if it doesn't improve the way you communicate with friends and family, then I will personally refund the money that you paid for the book. But by far the most inquiries that I received last week were from people wanting to know who the company was that provided me such dreadful service that I talked about last week. Now, if the issue is not resolved extremely quickly, then I will tell the world who they are. Um, At the moment, I'm still trying to resolve the issue. I also got a number of emails with some shocking stories. I mean, unbelievable, which I will cover in the last segment of the show. Now, as we've said many, many times in this program, the most important thing in any business is obtaining sales. While there are a lot of contributing factors that contribute to the fact that 97.4% of all businesses fail, 
The one factor that's constant in every failure is that the company didn't generate enough revenue to pay all its bills and make a profit. It is one thing to generate leads. There are literally dozens and dozens of ways of doing that. But that's the easy part of the challenge. The more difficult part is converting those leads into sales. And that takes a very skilled salesperson. In my experience, I've found that there are very few people who are great great salespeople. You know, salespeople who do their homework, who know their product back to front, have learned how to sell, that know neuro-linguistic programming and have developed exceptional communication skills. There's few of them. In many ways, apart from the creative genius that's developed your product, the salesperson's the most important key to your success. So have you got the best person you can hire? Or did you get somebody average because you didn't want to pay the extra few bucks to get somebody good? In my view, it's really worthwhile cutting somewhere else to get the best salesperson that you possibly can. Because if you don't, it could cost you a hell of a lot more than just money. It could cost you your business. Good salespeople keep the revenue flowing and your front door open. Now, the first key to a successful salesperson is their passion. It's their passion that gets them up in the morning, that drives them to research their target, to understand their likes and dislikes, to do the necessary preparation before they go into the meeting that makes them want to be the best salesperson they can be. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the fact that most sales are achieved after the sixth contact. And the overwhelming majority of salespeople give up way before that. So you need your salesperson to be really driven to succeed, to not give up when they get rejection, but to come out even more determined to make that sale. If your salesperson doesn't have that absolutely burning desire to succeed, it is probable that they won't. There is no question that in order to be successful in any business or, in fact, in any endeavor in life, you've got to have confidence. Confidence in your ability to get the job done and overcome any obstacle. And the one word that every successful salesperson hears more often than any other is no. Rejection. Not once or twice, but over and over and over again. I often think about Colonel Sanders. You know, when he started trying to convince restaurants to use his secret herbs and spices. At the time, he was only after a penny a chicken. And he knocked on 1,008 doors before he got his first sale. How many of us would last with 1,008 people knock on the door and they say, no, go away? And you know what makes it more remarkable? He was over 65 years old when he did it. He wasn't any spring chicken, excuse the pun. Your salesperson also needs to have a passion for the company, its products, and you, the leader. 
if they don't really believe in these things, they won't succeed. Is up to the leadership to achieve and drive this passion. Confident people will sell more product and they'll make more contacts. A confident salesperson will project, project that confidence every time they go to a meeting. Now, sales is just a transference of energy. And if your salesman's positive, enthusiastic, confident, your clients pick up that energy and the belief that they have in their product, and they're much more likely to buy off you. If your salesman's false, then clients can pick up that deception a mile away, and you'll never, ever get the sale. The third key to the success of your salesperson is for them to be disciplined and structured. The majority of salespeople need to have freedom, you know, to make their own decisions and they don't want to be tied down to an office. But rather than this indicating they don't need to be structured, in reality, you know, the opposite's true. The salesperson needs to be disciplined and structured in order to be able to manage their time and their tasks effectively. They need to focus clearly on maximising sales, achieving their targets and making enough contacts to keep a pipeline of sales and revenue flowing through your doors. Their attention to structure and organisation is what keeps them on track and continuing to achieve. So you need to be able to talk to your salespeople and tell them what you expect and to work with them to set their sales targets. Then you need to give them freedom. You know, watch them for the first month or so to, you know, allow them to demonstrate that they do have the self-discipline and can build a structure for themselves. If they don't have discipline and are not highly organised, you should get rid of them as soon as possible. Don't think that you can train them to be different. There's an old saying, and I love this saying. The only way to change people is to change people. So don't try to train them. Get rid of them. Incidentally, it also works for couples. I mean, a lot of women try to change men. Let me tell you, give up. You can't. The only way to change men is to change men. Now, one characteristic that all great salespeople have is an outgoing personality. And this is especially important in the person you trust and are relying on to sell both your company and your products. An outgoing personality and doing your homework on your potential client is critical to developing that emotional relationship that you need to develop. Remember, all decisions are made emotionally and they're justified pragmatically. So if your salesperson's not good at meet and greet and mingling at events, they will not succeed. You know, people like to buy from people they like. Often, even if what that person is selling isn't as good as it should be, they'll still buy it. That's how powerful emotional connection can be in making a sale. And it'd be great in sales and developed indelible relationships. You know, that takes a great sense of humour. 
Usually people that are confident and have an outgoing personality do have a good sense of humour. A sense of humour is a very strong tool in garnering a sale. It's a great icebreaker and a terrific relationship developer. The sixth quality that your salesperson needs to have is empathy. They need to be able to develop relationships with clients and then genuinely care about them. They need to understand the potential client's point of view and emphasize with their pressures. The final characteristic that your salesperson must possess is integrity. It's essential that you, your team and your customers are able to totally trust your salesperson to do the right thing by all of you. It's critical that your salesperson's integrity and their trustworthiness is absolutely beyond reproach. Their word must be their bond. So when selecting or evaluating your salespeople, forget about their resume. That's really not that important. You must ensure they have passion, that they're confident, they've got discipline. They've got an outgoing personality that's combined with humour and empathy. Throw integrity into the mix and you have a real winner that's worth their weight in gold. If any of these characteristics are missing, then you need to have a good hard look at whether you should continue to employ them. Now, that might sound pretty tough, but sales is so important and revenue is critical. So if you don't do it, your business will really suffer. Now, don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and let me know what you think. Don't forget, this program is all about you, the entrepreneur, the small business person that's listening to the show and looking for tips on how to be more successful. You know, that's what we're here for. That's what we live for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs just like you. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it either on air or directly. Now, I was to have a guest, Freddie Ravel, who's a good friend of mine, um, who's worked with Madonna and Prince and Stevie Wonder and Earth, Wind and Fire, but unfortunately, it fell through at the last minute. So my guest today is Eric Sinaway, who authored Howard's Gift, Uncommon Wisdom to Inspire Your Life's Work. It's based on the legendary Harvard Business School professor, Howard Stevenson. So whether you went to Harvard or not, I'm sure you'll enjoy the interview. You're listening to the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is a segment of the show where we speak to people that have been extraordinarily successful. And we try to find out what it is about them that makes them different to most of us what is it that allows them to be so successful and what can we do to emulate this success my guest today is Eric Sinaway now Eric is the president and co-founder of Axis Worldwide now that's a company that creates inspired ideas and connects extraordinary brands and extraordinary people Eric's also an entrepreneur involved in a quite a wide range of projects, including serving as a partner in Double Cross Vodka, Patagonia Sur, and a variety of other early stage companies. Eric is a recognised authority in the areas of partnership development, fundraising, non-profit strategy, and entrepreneurship, and has presented at Columbia, Cornell, NYU, and Harvard. That's a pretty prestigious lot of universities. Eric's also the author of Howard's Gift, Uncommon Wisdom to Inspire Your Life's Work. Now, this is a book released by St. Martin's Press, and it was inspired by Eric's relationship with his former professor, mentor, and friend, the iconic Harvard scholar, Howard H. Stevenson. Eric, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Bob, thanks for having me. That, that That's quite a setup. I'm honored to be on the show. It's a pleasure. Now, for 40 years, Howard's been a towering figure at Harvard. What's the one thing about Howard that created such an impression on you? Well, I think Howard has figured out how to chart a life not only of success, but also of satisfaction. Uh, for himself and, and also for the thousands of others whose lives he's touched, in, including mine. And the book really is, is something that uh, many of your listeners, and, and we're told millions around the world, wouldn't necessarily expect being inspired by someone from Harvard Business School, which is not necessarily known for um, thinking about you know, satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Howard's real gift is is helping people think about their lives and their careers in a holistic way, that um, enables them to um, to achieve both, and, and not just sort of the traditional definition of success that that many of us chase. Yeah, it's 
It's very timely, actually. I went to a um, a lecture a couple of days ago by Sir Ken Robinson, who is one of the foremost um, creative thinkers and critics of the way we educate people and how we make it difficult for people to get a, a harmonious balance where they're happy both with their work and with their lives. And uh, it... The, the audience were it was packed house and um, you know people are looking for that how do how do we achieve satisfaction in our life and in our work and it's extremely difficult to do um, so why did you write this book it's a fascinating story and uh, I know you're out on the west coast uh, personally Bob so um, you know anyone out there in the in the in the entertainment or biz, um, movie business may see a movie in here cuz I'm going to tell you a story that uh, that is is hard to believe right and so if you'll permit me just for a minute um, I'll I'll answer your question um, and and uh, I'm sure many of your readers will will relate to this series of events okay uh, as you mentioned, Howard Stevenson had, had taught at Harvard for 40 years. Uh, he's a fascinating character, uh, grew up in Utah, first uh, in his family to go to college, got his undergrad at Stanford and his MBA and his doctorate at, at Harvard Business School. Right. Um, you know, he taught uh, over 40 years, a time during which he taught George Bush, Mitt Romney, Hank Paulson, you know, thousands of other men and women in, in all uh, fields from all walks of life in all countries around the world. Right. Howard's real claim to fame is uh, that he is the father of entrepreneurship. He's the guy who coined the definition of the word itself. The right. definition of the word entrepreneur is, is uh, the, the generally accepted definition. The one taught in business schools around the world is the one that Howard created. Okay. And so he's had this remarkable impact on, on people around the world. <clears throat> I, uh, I met this guy when I got a, a mid-career master's degree at Harvard, and I fell in love with him. And I thought that uh, many people at, at a place like Harvard or Stanford or Columbia or Wharton or wherever are, are smart, but I thought he was wise. Right. But there's a huge difference between wisdom and intelligence. I agree with that. And we developed this sort of remarkable relationship. And life was good until uh, he woke up uh, six years ago one day, and, and he didn't feel particularly well. So he did what you're supposed to do, Bob, what you and I would do. He went to the doctor. Right. The doctor checked him out said, I can't find anything wrong with you, Howard, gave him a clean bill of health. Yeah. He somehow didn't believe it, so the next uh, day, he went and he got a second opinion. That guy checked him out, gave him a clean bill of health. He woke up a couple days later with just a little tiny shortness of breath, and he went and he got a third opinion. And that doctor checked him out and gave him a clean bill of health, told him he thought he was fine. Yep. Exactly two weeks later, Howard Stevenson died. And he died uh, walking across the Harvard University campus uh, after lunch with a colleague. Yes. And the reason that I say he died is that Howard experienced what's called unattended cardiac arrest, which is a heart attack, but it's a, a certain type of heart attack that um, almost no one survives. It has less than a 1% survival. Right. And so Howard's uh, heart stopped, and he was technically dead by the time his body hit the ground at 66 years old. Um, with a family, friends, community at the height of his career, all the things that all of us aspire to. Mm -hmm. And that is how this story is, is supposed to end. And then an inexplicable series of events occurred. And these events began with the fact that he collapsed outside of the only building on campus with a mobile defibrillator. Right. A colleague of his went and got it, 
and as it was uh, being retrieved, someone ran to his side and began performing CPR. Um, the defibrillator arrived and was administered. That guy went back to his office. That day on his desk was his mail. He opened his mail, and in his mail that day was a certification of completion of his CPR training from the week before. <laughs> wow. An ambulance arrived. It was one of two ambulances in the entire city of Boston that had a specific clot-busting drug on it called TPA. TPA is not administered in ambulances. It's only administered bedside at hospitals. For some reason, this was one of two in the city of Boston that had it on board. The medic on duty had advanced specialized training to give a needle injection directly into the human heart, which they did through Howard's chest cavity as he lay... Uh, as he lay lifelessly in the middle of the Harvard campus. Right. They worked on him for 45 minutes. They put him in an ambulance. They brought him to a hospital where the head of cardiac surgery happened to be on duty. His heart had been stopped for four and a half minutes. There had been no oxygen to the brain. Mm -hmm. They put him into a coma, and they brought him out of the coma three and a half days later. And the president of the hospital tells me the most astounding part of the whole story is that there was no cognitive damage, that he was absolutely fine. And so I, I, that's lucky. Yeah, no. I say to just you, just to end the the story, to you or to any of your listeners, um, think just from one, just think of a parent, a mentor, a sister, a brother, a a professor, a friend who you've lost, who's died on you, someone you loved. Yeah. And then imagine getting a second shot, a second bite at that apple to capture that person, to capture your relationship. And if you really thought they were special, to share them with the world. Right. And that is what we're doing with with Howard's gift after Howard's remarkable survival of this event. Wow, that's a good story. Everything was, all the stars were lined up at the right time, weren't they? It's hard to explain uh, otherwise. Yeah, you can be lucky. Um, I had a massive heart attack um, uh, while I was on stage in Las Vegas giving a presentation. And uh, it came out of the blue. I'm pretty healthy i'm pretty slim look after myself and it just came out of the blue knocked me down and um you know fortunately i was quarter of a mile or whatever from the sunrise medical center which is one of the foremost heart um, centers in the world now i could have had a heart attack on an airplane or anywhere else and i wouldn't have made it i just happened to have a heart attack right near a um one of the foremost hospitals so you can be very lucky what is it about the book that is um, particularly meaningful for readers? What, is, it a, is it a feel-good book? Is it a book that gives no, you the book, wisdom? Or? Yeah, yeah it's, it's both. I mean, it's been described as, as uh, the book Tuesdays with Maury yep. uh, meets the seven habits of, of highly successful people. Okay. And so, um, you know, it, it, listen, Howard is an entrepreneur and a business person. I'm an entrepreneur and a business person. You know, it, 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 it's not got a, um, a whole bunch of sort of kumbaya feel-good stuff. Yep. Um, but, you know, the event that you described for yourself and the event that I experienced with Howard, you know, is one of those things that makes people stop um, and reevaluate their life and really um, think. And Momentarily, so, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, we listen, we've been told it's a book of head and heart, mm. of wisdom and emotion. Um, you know, we've been told that, uh, you know, it, it has the ability to change people's lives. I don't want to overstate it, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's a business book and, um, and more than that. And it's got a framework in it 
um, that we call business planning for your life's work, yep. which has 14 concrete um, elements based on Howard's 40 years of teaching and learning and studying uh, successful people uh, all over the world. And we think it's applicable to, you know, the recent college graduate, to the 30-year-old, uh, 35-year-old with a family trying to, to balance his or her life. You know, the 45 or 50-year-old sort of at the height of his or her career thinking about legacy or someone who may be, you know, recently retired and trying to figure out sort of what, you know, what do I do with the rest of my life, even if I have achieved many of my goals. Is there a difference between um, being able to balance business and life, say, 30 years ago when, or 20 years ago when Howard was in his prime and today with all the extra pressures, all the extra communication um, vehicles coming at you 24 hours a day. Is it different? Uh, we, we would stipulate that it probably is. Um, and, and I think just life has sped up. Um, and, that, and that's what Howard just said. It's just sped up. Yeah. And one of the examples we we use even, um, which which is illustrative of the book's content is, you know, Howard would say years and years ago, if you were a blacksmith, mm. you know, you would yeah. compare the quality of your work to the other blacksmith in your town or yeah. to the blacksmith in the town next door. Sure. You know, today, instantaneously, you can compare your work to every blacksmith on the planet. Yeah. And so if you want to feel bad about yourself, you can say, hey, I'm not the greatest blacksmith on the planet. You know, and uh, years ago, you would say, hey, I'm the greatest blacksmith um, in my town. Block. On the yeah. block. Yeah. You know, and so one of the things we talk about is that actually satisfaction and happiness is, is almost harder to control than success. Because yeah. success, to answer your question, um, has been, you know, redefined by the reach and the speed that technology enables. Yeah. I was reading a... Um an article about presidents and they were saying that um, for example John Kennedy uh, if something broke anywhere in the world he'd have 24 hours to 36 hours to think about it be able to formulate an answer for the media um, because they wouldn't know about it for 24 36 hours today um, the president's watching it on television the same time as everybody else on the planet's watching it and he's got to answer questions immediately and they were arguing that it's you know infinitely harder to be president today irrespective of who you are uh, or how smart you are than it was um, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, I think that makes sense and, and you could probably take that analogy to, to any Almost of us everybody. in our lives. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, whatever our professions are. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we say in the, in the book even is that um, one way to address that is to, um, you know, give some thought to your life and yeah. there's been a lot of talk about work-life balance sure, and we, absolutely. we yeah but but we argue that 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 actually is backwards that um you know and, and in the book we use this phrase um your life's work and we mm -hmm. sort of say technology and speed and all the things that you've described are blurring the lines between work and life and absolutely. so the first thing you got to think about is life who do you want to be who are you what do you care about? And, you know, think about your life, and within that construct, then your work, whatever it is, has to fit into that. And yeah. many of yeah. us make plans for, you know, our divisions, our companies, our, our kids' vacations, our time, but we never put the same effort, energy, and thought into actually planning for our own life. Now, I've, actually seen, I've actually seen a number of studies um, 
with just regular working people where they're actually happier with their work and what they've achieved at work than they are with their personal lives. So That doesn't surprise me. Is it back to front or which is, um, back, to, know, which is back to front? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. And, and the book really, you know, one of the, one of the things in, in the book is that you know, this is not just written for sort of the elite, whatever that means, Harvard MBA or any MBA. I mean, the, the principles that Howard has learned over his life, um, we believe are as applicable to, you know, the guy doing the plumbing in your house as they probably are to the, you know, Stanford PhD. And these are sort of universal human um, desires. And what I found for me is, you know, the luck to be able to tap into a guy who has taught and studied and experienced a hell of a lot of life yeah. and uh, to be able to en- encapsulate it and share it with you know millions of others. Am I being elitist if I say, you know, I lead a pretty interesting life. I'm a speaker. I travel all over the world all the time. I've got the radio show and I do a whole bunch of other stuff with really cool, smart people that I get such a buzz out of my business life my business life is so fantastic and gives me so much pleasure and satisfaction and joy and whatever that that perhaps, um, and I'm not saying it is, but perhaps to somebody like me, um, the work element of your life is more important um, emotionally and from a satisfaction point of view than than your business than your personal life. Yeah, I can't judge that for you, obviously, but, yeah. but I have a similar um, satisfaction. And the way I, I describe it is that, it, you know, my life and my work are swirled ice cream. Yeah. It, it, you know, you can't They're disaggregate. Yeah. yeah, where one starts and the other stops. Yeah. Um, you know, but, I, but I, think, I think you and I are blessed and fortunate. And for your listeners, my guess is many people aspire for that feeling. Yeah, and that satisfaction, and you know what, what Howard really has done, which um, which changed the paradigm, is you know his definition of an entrepreneur is uh, is the following. He says, you know, entrepreneurship is quote unquote the pursuit of opportunity beyond the resources you currently control. Yeah, the pursuit of opportunity beyond the resources you currently control. Yeah, and if you believe it's that definition then an entrepreneur is someone with a certain mindset, a certain attitude, a certain outlook on life, and that person can be a teacher, a social worker, a doctor, Absolutely. an employee in a big company. Yeah. And I think if people embrace that, they may get that feeling of satisfaction that you and I are lucky to have. Yeah. And sort of the idea that you have to start a business to be an entrepreneur is one that Howard would say is false. In fact, it's just a way of looking at your life and approaching your decisions and, and your life. And yeah, I agree entirely. Yep. That goes throughout the book. I'll accept that. Now, Howard talks about inflection points in mm. one's life. What does he mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, I know what he means, but what, what was his meaning? Sure. Uh, and an inflection point is, is what Andy Grove, the, um, yep. the founder and former CEO of Intel, said. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's something that, quote-unquote, fundamentally changes the way you think or act fundamentally changes the way you think or act. So it's, it's not a little thing, it's a big thing. Mm. And, you know, the, we said there's, there's sort of a, a couple pieces of this. The first is just to recognize it. And that so many of us get on a path and we're focused on going faster down the path, 
moving things out of the way of us on the path, maybe even enjoying ourselves on the path. Yeah. But we don't necessarily say, wait a minute, is this the right path? Are there other paths? And it's just sort of the human condition to do that. And what we argue is that an inflection point is one of those period periodic opportunities to enable all of us to stop and, and ask that fundamental question. And an inflection point could be um, one of what we call three things. A friend, which is, it's a great thing. Hey, okay. I got a promotion I didn't expect. Yeah. Okay. It can be a foe, which is, you know, hey, wait a minute, my mentor got knocked out of my company and now there's no one championing me. Yes. You know, or or the hardest one is it's silent. It's sort of this nagging something that I would argue, imagine many of us have, many of your listeners have, that we sort of know there's more. That there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to us, and it's sort of the, the the courage to recognize it deep within ourselves, and to force us to ask the question that I pose about the path that we're on. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I would agree with that. It's very it. it very difficult to realize uh, 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 to identify I was thinking while you were saying that I was trying to think of um, inflection points if you like in my life that have made profound differences to the way I think or the way I act and um, just I would imagine the heart attack was one yeah well it changed me for a minute you know while I was lying in hospital I was thinking Jesus a lot more to life than what I'm doing and I'm working too hard and you know, I should be um, lying on the beach somewhere. Um, but then when I got out, I thought, wow, I've got a speaking gig in London and I can't wait to get there and I can't wait to get back onto the same treadmill I was on before. So Yeah, but that's important because one of the things, sorry to interrupt, one of the things yeah. you say in the book is the inflection point also gives you the opportunity to reaffirm the path you're on. Yeah, okay. Um, now, a huge part of Howard's life has been involved in, in charities and non-profits and, of course, his role as chairman of NPR. Um, your CV, just going through your CV, um, paints you as a pretty commercial animal. Animal. Um, how important is giving back to society in your view? Um, you know, most of us don't do it. Most of us take a lot but give very little back. Um, how, how important is it for your own satisfaction and your own um, um, well-being to, to to give back? Uh, you know, it, it, I say this with respect. It's sort of a loaded question because no one's going to say it's not important at all. Yeah, I agree um, with that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll be extremely honest and understanding this is going out to a quarter of a million people and <laughs> who knows what happens next. Yeah. But... Um, you know, it was one of the things I really struggled with um, when um, I, I moved to my current company, Access Worldwide, um, full time. Mm -hmm. In that, I had uh, I had worked for I'd gotten a master's at Harvard, and then I had worked at Harvard. And uh, working at at a place like Harvard or or any uh, nonprofit, mm -hmm. um, you know, where you're mission based. I mean, my job at Harvard was to raise resources to address cancer to address Middle East peace, to address, you know, I mean, that's what it was. with that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> to address early childhood education. Yeah. And, you know, when I decided, you know, we had, with my longtime business partner, Kirk Posmentor, we had started this company, Access, and, and it had some success, and I eventually decided to leave Harvard and, and to do this full time. And it, it, it was and continues to be a complicated issue because, um, 
if you wanted to be pejorative about it, you would say what I'm doing now has very little um, socially redeeming qualities. You know, it's a commercial, as you say, it's a commercial business, sure. commercial animal. You can argue, you know, it's job creation and, and all those things. But well, that's very different. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. and um, it is a good thing. I, I, I believe so too, obviously. But but every day when you work at a nonprofit, it is what you do to give yeah. back. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah. Now, when you're in the commercial world, you raise a very good point, which is it it, it takes, if nothing else, um, just the awareness to say, you know, hey, I need I need to think about this because it's not what I do every day. What I do every day is commercial. Sure. And so that it's a very long-winded way of saying, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, pro bono work at at the company. Um, You know, I I try to do some, uh, you know, personally. Uh, one of the things that, that we say in the book, which is uh, a Howardism, which is, you know, it's hard to get an A plus on every aspect of your life at once. True. And when when you're a student, you're conditioned to get that you it, it is possible to get all A's. I of course didn't do it. You're smarter than I am. You probably did, but but I didn't. And um, in the real world, there are just too many elements to say I can get an A plus as. You know, a parent, a spouse, a friend, a business person, a community member, you know, all those yeah. things. Yeah. And so Howard says, you know, get a B, you know, get a decent average and understand you're not going to be able to get an A plus on everything at once. And so for me personally, uh, that, again, I'm bearing my soul to a quarter of a million people here, Bob. This is a little scary for me. But, um, you know, that, that's not an area I'm getting an A plus on now. You know, this conversation, okay. you know, probably <laughs> need to do more of that. Okay. Um an example from the book that warms your heart. You're asking me for one. Yeah. What is it? If, when I finish the book and I think, okay, what in that book warmed my heart? What What comes to I, mind? I would say it is the generally positive condition of human beings. Okay. That sounds crazy, I know. But the book is features me and Howard, Howard primarily. It also has 14 guest contributors yep. that range from Soledad O'Brien from CNN mm-hmm. to Nancy Brinker, who founded um, the Coleman Foundation, Breast Cancer, to Wendy Kopp, who founded Teach for America, to Bob Pittman, who founded um, yep. uh, MTV, and a yep. variety of business people. Okay. What, people what's, what stirs my heart? When I finish, I'm going to. What's going to have stirred my spirit? What's going to have made me think, "Wow, that's great"? Yeah, I think what's going to stir you is that um, you know it's within all of us to achieve greatness, however we define it. And all those people defined it differently. Uh, Howard defines it differently. You and I define it differently. But I think that um, the book is a catalyst for people to really um, realize the opportunity is there for them to grab it, for them to control their own destiny. And uh, it gives some actionable ways to do that. And listen, none of these books provide an answer, and anyone who suggests they do is probably disingenuous. Yes. But I, I think that there's a buffet of things here that we've been told now. A, a, you know, a huge group of people find uh, inspiring, compelling, and, and actionable. And I think those things together should um, yes, do you. what you described. Eric, it's a great privilege to have you on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I hope some of your and Howard's wisdom and success rubs off both on myself and on my listeners, and I 
I uh, recommend to my, to my listeners that they go out and they buy the book, Howard's Gift, Uncommon Wisdom to Inspire Your Life's Work. Now, if you'd like to for, find out more about Eric and the book, go to www.howardsgift.com. That's www.howardsgift.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. This is the segment where we introduce you to what we consider to be exceptional investment opportunities. Once in a while, an opportunity presents itself that appears just too good to be true. Terratrata is such an opportunity. On the line, I have the principal of the company, Gary Bate. Gary, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks, Bob, and, uh, and good evening to you. Gary, what is Terratrata? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite different. It's a global trading program with its own inbuilt medium of exchange known as the Terra. The members trade goods and services amongst each other using the Terra as the unit of exchange. It's a lot of fun, Bob. So how can we honestly believe that anyone can join TerraTrader for free, not part with any money at all, and yet acquire goods and services just as a result of being a member? Well, as you know, Bob, there's, uh, there's really no free lunches in this world. What makes it possible is the fact that to be a buyer on TerraTrader one also has to be a seller. This keeps it fair and equal for all members. So to buy on TerraTrader, you have to participate as a seller, which means you offer an item to other members in return for Terras. Okay, so how do I personally prosper from this? Well, essentially, Bob, there's two ways to increase your purchasing power. Obviously, you can sell what you no longer have a use for, or you can advertise your services for free. But by far the quickest way to prosper is to introduce your friends because for every successful invite, you get 50 terrors as a credit. Mm, okay. What are these terrors worth? 
in real money? Um, well, at the moment, uh, members are valuing, because, you know, it's very new, uh, members are valuing uh, their items um, uh, in accordance with the UK pound. Obviously, over time, it will, uh, it will uh, realize its own value, but here's the exciting bit. It will always be unaffected by external economic factors. In fact, it's very stable because its value is underpinned only by the val total value of goods and services listed on the platform. And the only terrors in play are in the accounts of members who have got items listed. I know that sounds a bit heavy, Bob, but it's actually very simple when you get your head around it. So I can list all of the unwanted items that I've got, and I can also promote my services as well. Is that right? Yes, indeed. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely free for you, Bob. Uh, you can pretty much list anything you like. Uh, and as the minimum listing is just one terror, it's perfect for the vast numbers of unemployed people there are around the world now. I think it's a pretty amazing concept, and it's very different than anything that I've ever seen before. And uh, it is a bit hard to wrap your mind around first, but what makes you think it will capture people's imaginations and take off? Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Bob. Um, we could have a world beater here, uh, but it, it, it does need more creative input uh, and development and, of course, significant investment. Okay. I think that um, that's pretty good. It shows that it's a great opportunity, I think. Now, to find out more about TerraTrader, that's spelled T-E-R-R-A. T-R-A-D-A. -A. Let me do that again. Terra, T-E-R-R-A. Trader, T-R-A-D-A. -A. And this fantastic investment opportunity. To find out more, go to terratrader.net for more information or email Gary Bate on gary at terratrader.net. And that's Gary with just one R. So that's Gary Bate on gary at terratrader.net and Gary's got one R. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio well, Show and I'll return after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are 
listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business show coming to you this week, as most weeks, from my hometown of Los Angeles. Uh, last week, I discussed how a recent study by PricewaterhouseCoopers determined that the most successful business in almost every one of 50 categories of business they examined was the customer service leader in that category. That's how important customer service is. And then I discussed the most atrocious service I've ever encountered that happened to me in Sydney recently. And... Uh, I just wanted to give you an update of where we're at with that. You might recall that um, over a period of, of months, I had people come to the, the house, looked at the um, appliance, nothing got fixed, paid the money, ordered the wrong parts, just a bloody nightmare. Then when I complained... Um, and asked for compensation, not in the way of money, but in the way of, although I paid them a whole bunch of money for visits without actually getting anything for it, um, I said that I wanted, you know, none of this sit around from 8 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock at night waiting for a serviceman to come, which is what usually happens in Australia. I said I wanted, you know, a time like you do in America. Give me 9 o'clock or give me 10 o'clock or whatever. Um, so then I got a letter from their lawyers saying that I was threatening them and that um, they were going to report me to the police because my request for compensation amounted to blackmail. Un-fucking believable. Anyway, I just want to give you an update. Guy came last Friday. He brought the wrong part. <laughs> so then he said, I think the part I brought last time might have been the right part. It's the part he brought and said wasn't the right part, took it back. Now, that happened Friday, and of course he left without actually fixing anything. And we haven't heard from them since. Zero. Nada. <laughs> no follow-up whatsoever. But I'm still trying to get this thing fixed. But never again would I use this company. And uh, next week, unless something happens, I will tell you all who it is. Well, I invited you last week to drop me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com if you can top this story with your own example of appalling customer service. So this week, I received a whole heap of examples of dreadful customer service that our listeners have encountered. And the first one of these is from Ron who writes, I had a problem with a new piece of electronic equipment and called for assistance. The first technician I talked with insisted that there was nothing wrong with his company's equipment, that it was my fault. When I explained that everything in the network had put worked perfectly until I powered the new item up, he laughed at me. When I asked if I could talk to his superior, he responded, fuck off. And then hung up. <laughs> Jeez, that's um, 
That's going to take a bit of tossing. Then there's this one from Elaine. I was trying to get some information from the local cable company about my bill. I couldn't understand the different groupings of channels, which had no explanation, just names like extended package. The person I spoke to on the phone also couldn't explain it and kept getting the same channels in different groupings. I said very politely, I don't understand your explanation. Is there someone else who can explain it to me so I will understand it? She replied, you're stupid, and then hung up. (laughs) I must admit, I find the groupings, I'm with Time Warner, and I don't know who puts those packages together. It is impossible to work out. It's impossible. And then when you buy your group of, of channels, you've got channels 1 to 80, and then you've got 251 and to 304, and then you've got 525 to 580, and then you've got, God, strength. It is really difficult. How about this one from Andrew? In our local grocery store, I was asked, I asked one of the staff about the cinnamon buns that were in the cabinet. The employee I asked said that the cinnamon buns were very fattening and I needed to lose some weight. <laughs> okay, here's the last one. And this one's from Phil. I lost my cable service for three days. Apparently it was a system wide failure and thousands of customers were affected. I love this one. When I phoned the company to see what was happening, during the course of the conversation, I asked them to give me three days credit for the three days I was off air. The company representative turned around and said, we can't do that. Do you know how much it would cost us if we credited everybody for three days? <laughs> Bloody hell. I should try this. You know, it, they seem to get away with it, don't they? And we shouldn't put up with this. You know, most companies bust their ass to give you great service. And these wombats, you know, are dreadful. Okay, Um, if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobatbobpritchard.com and subscribe to to my monthly newsletter. New newsletters going out today and tomorrow. Send in your questions, email me at bobatbobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. Next week, I promise you, I will have Freddie Ravel on. And if you're in the Anaheim area, next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, Crystal Cathedral. Um, Freddie's on with um, a member of the of Earth, Wind of Fire, a, a 50-piece orchestra and a 30-piece choir. Should be something special, and it's free. Remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic week you've been listening to the bob pritchard radio show please join us again next tuesday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel until then enjoy another week of success in your business and your life